Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. You are listening to the Net Worth Podcast, where we talk all things WTA and handicapping the WTA. Of course, I am Noops from Twitter, and you can find me at underscore Noops, and I'm joined by the one of the absolute very best handicappers on Twitter, Spread Astaire, who you can find at Spread Astaire. Spread, how's it going? How's your week? Oh, I'm doing great. We've had a, a fun night of late night tennis. We've had some good action there, and uh, Tashkent and Wuhan got us all in check, so we're ready to go. I love it. As you know, for the, the listeners that don't already know, I live in Philadelphia, and Spread hails from Sacramento. So um, these times are really fantastic for us because we can stay up late and watch them. And when I get up in the morning, I have all these wonderful tennis matches to watch. I got up this morning around like 7:30, went downstairs, had a, got a glass of water, came back up in bed, put the TV on, and got to watch Arena Sabalenka play just a, a wonderful match against Ashley Barty. Just love these time timing. How's everything for you out there on the West Coast? You enjoying the late night action yeah it works well for me too on my work schedule so i've been uh able to catch most of these matches and uh gotta feel like i got a pretty good idea of what's going into what is the premier tournament of the swing here and that's uh this beijing tournament coming up this week giving us an early start threw us off that's why we're recording a little early that will be starting tonight which will be for americans friday night saturday morning so very early start but it's because a very big tournament coming up Yep, absolutely. And before we dive into that, let's take a look at the week that just passed. Let's start with the uh, smaller of the two tournaments in Tashkent. Um, for, again, for those listening tonight, we don't know quite who the winner is. We have a final tonight with Potapova playing Gasparin, two young players that are very talented. Um, you know, I don't have much of a play there, I think. Spread, you posted Potapova, but by the time we get this out, it'll probably be too late. Um, so let's dive in a little bit on, on kind of what happened. Um, what were your thoughts on Tashkent? this week what did you see what did you like what didn't you like uh, well uh potapova is definitely a player that is up and coming a 17 year old player a lot of talent um so far she has been uh showed the most success on clay um but uh her coach uh said that she expects when she becomes a you know fully mature player that uh the hard courts will be her best surface and uh, really showed this week one thing i do like about her um, she has very strong ground strokes, as, of course, most of these young, talented players. Anyone that you say, you know, is a young talent is going to have good ground strokes. But the thing that impressed me about most about her is her ability to really uh, – she doesn't take a lot of pace off her second serve, and I think that it becomes an advantage for her and her ability to hold serve, especially on some of these uh, lower-level tournaments because right now, you know, she's not obviously um, – you know, she's playing, you know, some of the smaller tournaments and things of that nature. So – you know, a lot of the players that she's going against are really expecting to take advantage of a weak second serve because they don't serve that well themselves. And with her getting it in there like that, it's really allowed her to put a lot of pressure on her opponent's uh, service games. Um, and I really think that's been the key to her victory this week. Uh, plus, when she gets into a baseline-to-baseline -baseline rally, if you give her, um, you know, any sort of depth, as soon as she's able to move into the court, she's taking advantage of it and uh, really starting to dictate the points. So really impressed with her. And on the other side, we have, uh, you know, this final, you know, the other impressive performance, of course, was uh, Margarita Gasparian. And um, she might be even more fun to watch than Potopova. She has a beautiful one-handed backhand. Um, she's really a lot of fun to watch. Uh, she, the thing I worry about her backhand is she doesn't defend that well with it. When you pin her deep behind the baseline, that's where the flaws of the one-hander come in. Um, but when she's stepping into the court, I mean, it's just a beautiful shot. And it makes her a lot of fun to watch. The thing that I worry about her is, I, and the reason I picked Potapova in this final game is I think that her serve is a little, 
Um, it's not as I'm not impressed today as I am by Potopova. So I think that'll be the difference in tonight's match. But this is the type of tournament that uh, Margarita Gasparian needs. Um, you know, ending the year, it's time for her to step up. You know, get out of the ITF, jump in the WTA, and this is the type of results. Um, that are going to, you know, lead to her becoming more on these uh, WTA. And, of course, I don't think we could leave Tashkent without mentioning a woman who we uh, supported and made a lot of money off this week, and that's uh, Katerina Kozlova. And I'll let you go ahead and break her down because I know that you were really excited about supporting her on last week's pod, and uh, we were able to get the results by, uh, by uh, you know, cashing a lot of tickets on her this week. So what did you see in Kozlova's game? What an excellent segue. I just want to pause for a second and just really applaud you for what was just really a beautiful handoff on that because I am staring at Katarina Kozlova and just smiling. Um, you know, last week we talked about a lot of things. I think we were pretty dead on in this tournament. We talked about how it was an opportunity for some of the younger younger players to really stand up and, and stand out here. Um, not a ton of talent, but a real opportunity for a lot of these players. Potapova, Gasparin, and Kozlova especially. All three ladies had a really nice week. I know Kozlova's not going to be playing in the final but um, and lost a tough match to Kozlova. Well, not really tough by the scoreline, but got to watch a little of that myself and thought it was a little closer than the 6-4, 6-2 result. Um, Kozlova specifically is somebody that, that, you know, like you mentioned, we've done pretty well the last few weeks on. When I take a look at her performances on hard courts, you know, since 2017, she averages plus one and a half games in hard court matches, which is pretty good. Um, you know, really great players just to give everyone, um, you know, a little bit of kind of a range for what to really expect now you know some of the best players Caroline Wozniacki do as well it's about plus 3.8 games on hard courts um, but in this particular tournament plus one and a half is uh, just flipping through here um, just about the best number that I have on my page here um, just a really talented player and was excited to see her win a couple times this week um, and just at numbers it didn't make sense we got a lot of plus money opportunities to bet her um, even when she was a favorite just a really short favorite so um, a really exciting week for us, I think for anybody that's been following us on Twitter, again, you can find me at underscore noops and spread at spread a stare. Um, we post a lot of plays every single night, and I think some of our best plays were out of this Tashkent tournament. Um, really excited to see the young ladies and the up-and-comers here. Excited for the final tonight. Um, again, like I mentioned, I know you're on Potapova. I don't really have a feel, but I'll definitely be trying to watch and, and see what we can learn about these two young players. So, Any more thoughts, Spread, before we jump into Wuhan? Yeah, one more thought about Tashkent. I thought the um, most interesting match of the tournament was Potopova's rematch with Olga Danilovic. And um, that's a rematch of the Moscow final in which uh, Danilovic won her first title. And I thought it was really interesting to see, you know, outside where, you know, she didn't have the home court advantage for her to, uh, you know, take get a little revenge there. And she won 7-5, uh, 2-6, uh, Really took control in that final third set after uh, – Losing the second set 2-6, it looked like that uh, Danilovic had all the momentum and it was going to be uh, like Moscow. But uh, for Potapova to win that against the player that she was recently defeated by, I, I was really impressed by the overall level of that match. I thought just tennis-wise that was uh, the highest quality match I had watched so far. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Danilovic and the young player we're really excited about and somebody who you know, probably could have gone a lot further in this tournament if she didn't see Potapova. So, you know, guys, remember, anytime we're looking at some of these smaller tournaments and you don't see a lot of famous names, it doesn't mean you're not going to see a lot of great tennis. So um, I, th I think with definitely a couple names to circle going forward, 
Potapova, Kozlova, Gasparin, and even Danilovich. So um, a lot to have been learned in Tashkent. Jumping into the bigger tournament here um, tonight in Wuhan, we'll have a final with my absolute favorite, Arena the Amazonian Warriors, Sabalenka, playing Annette Contivate. Um, and I'm just going to dive in right here because, you know, I've had a lot of opportunities to gush about my absolute favorite arena, the Amazonian Warrior Sabalenka. But this tournament just really impressive. Coming out, beating Carlos Suarez Navarro in the first round. Um, maybe not a player that has a lot of cachet, but from a matchup perspective, someone that could be really tough if Sabalenka's not having a solid day. She comes out, has a tight first set, loses the second, but still gets it done in three. Then plays Alina Svitolina in what was just a very very entertaining match from my perspective. You know, both women playing a high level of tennis, um, but being able to gut out three sets against a top-notch player like that was just absolutely fun to watch. And then just going through the next couple matches, beating Kennan in two sets, Sybil Kova in two sets. And then this morning, a, a match that I got to watch against Ashley Barty. And, um, you know, when I watch Arena Sabalenka matches, I'm always confused why the opponent ever hits the ball back to her in the middle of the court. She is just a big, strong player with a lot of power, and if she has the ability to stand there with her feet set and really get comfortable as the ball's coming towards her, I think as an opponent, you're just putting yourself in a lot of trouble. And Ashley Barty this morning did a pretty good job of moving her around, but even really couldn't overcome that. So, you know, spread. Is Arena Sabalenka the greatest tennis player on planet Earth? Uh, I wouldn't go that far <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> I love the enthusiasm though. <laughs> um, as to your point on why, uh, the, um, players are hitting a lot back to the middle. I think that really uh, speaks to how well that Sabalenka is dictating these points. And I think that what happens is she just puts so much pace on the ball that the opponents are automatically just thinking defensive and they're not, um, you know, working to set up the points or dictate. A lot of times they're just trying to uh, get the ball back and try to improve their defensive position. So I think it's just a credit to Sabalenka's power. I don't think that opponents are necessarily trying to do it. I think that, you know, it's, Sabalenka's kind of forcing them to do that and be more defensive than they would actually like to be. Um, and she's going to have a tough match tonight, you know, that, um, you know, in a 50-50 in, in world, just picking, you know, just pick a winner. You know, you take Sabalenka, but at plus 170, I think that uh, Annette Contevate has a lot of value, and that's uh, the play I went ahead and made because um, just plus 170 is just too much. One thing about Sabalenka is she's not the best returner, so she doesn't get breaks as easily as she should. I know that, you know, you guys have – all mention how much she loves to, to give those great highlight forehands on the second serves, which is true. You know, you can't just uh, pull like a little Austin Pink or a Kasekina second serve. You know, those little 70-mile kick serves, those do get just uh, flat and cross-court and, and for winners. But buried completely. It's almost one of the best highlights in tennis right now. But uh, on the first serve, she really doesn't get a high percentage um, back. You know, she does get good returns when she gets them in, but what worries me is that um, her actual percentage on them uh, going in isn't high, and I know that we don't get good stats for that because that's not considered an unforced error. Um, but a lot of times I feel that, uh, you know, if she could simply get the ball back in play and start setting up the rallies, uh, she'd be a lot better off. She seems to net um, and, you know, run long with a lot of her returns. So her return game is what worries me and why I think there's value on Contavite, not to mention Contavite's ability to um, defend for – you know, three or four shots in a row, but then as soon as she gets the chance that she'll change and, and dictate and be coding the aggressor. So if I am right and Contavite does win as a plus 170 underdog tonight, I think it'll be because Contavite's able to uh, defend adequately enough in order to set up the points where she can uh, turn the point into her favor and then dictate and get offense. So 
we'll see if the Sabalenka gets frustrated by uh, Contavite's defense tonight. And if she doesn't, Sabalenka will win. If she does, then I expect to cash a nice plus 170 ticket. But uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty fun tournament in Wuhan. Um, besides uh, Miss Sabalenka's uh, dominance and greatness, what else did you take away from this tournament? Before I dive into any sort of other takeaways, I just want you to know that the math side of my brain is, is very um, intrigued by your argument about Miss Contivate tonight against Sabalenka. Um, uh, it's, but my heart is really angry with you, and I think I'm going to have to take some time when we're done to really reevaluate things and see how I feel. But, um, you know, looking at the rest of the tournament in Wuhan, not to just overwhelm with our listeners um, with me gushing over how great Arena Sabalanka is, it was just a really great tournament. We got to see tons and tons of great matches. Um, just flipping down here, you know, outside of the matches I've already talked about, we got to see Angelique Kerber uh, play Madison Keys a little bit. Um, unfortunately, you know, Madison retired, but Kerber looked really great. Um, Ashley Barty in a match with Pavla Yuchenkova was fantastic. Pavla Yuchenkova playing Kvitova the round prior was great. Um, Kiki Burton's Pavla Yuchenkova just tremendous matches there. Um, Shui Zhang played a lot of good matches. Her match with Annette Contevent went three sets, and I just really enjoyed watching that personally. Um, Katerina, Katerina Siniakova, um, not a player that my numbers like too much, but someone who always kind of hangs in a match and, and makes them competitive, able to win three matches here. Um, the match against Caroline Garcia, just really, really tight. She comes out, loses the first set 6-3. to three. If memory serves me correctly, she actually got broken twice in that set as opposed to your normal just serving second loss on 6-3, but then has the grit and determination to come back and win the next two sets, 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. Uh, Kyung Wang coming off a, a win in Guangzhou. Um, just looked exhausted all week. Um, you could just see her her effort kind of waning back and forth, but really just fighting through, you know, beating Maria Sakkari, beating Karolina Pliskova, beating Daria Gavrilova, and um, as well as Michelle Puig, um, and then just kind of running out of effort there, you know, with Contivate in the last round. Uh, just a lot of great tennis. You know, we saw all the great names really come out. Maybe not all the great names, but a lot of great names come out and really give out pretty good efforts. You know, so what did you see, Spread? What did you like last week? All right, so my first two takeaways are that the number one and number two seeds were not healthy. Um, and I uh, made a mistake last week because I had spoken on the pod that I thought that Wozniacki was back and she was in a little better health and that I expected to see a lot of her. And um, I didn't see 100% um, Wozniacki in that match against Puig. It was very, very close. But um, I think that Wozniacki pulls that out if she's herself. Um, so I don't know how much I'm looking to back her going forward. And another person dealing with injuries was the number one seed. And I was much um, – I'm, I'm much more adamant about my I'm not I don't want to back Simona this week at all um, I tweeted out some stuff about how basically at this point Simona has a huge financial incentive um, to play all these tournaments and enter regardless of her physical um, shape as the number one player they get bonuses between uh, $500,000 to a million dollars um, just for appearing at the right number of premier mandatories and, and things of that nature so um, she has a great financial incentive to be here and I I do not see her being 100%. I know that um, she had, she just, in, in her first practice in Wuhan, um, she was practicing with Petra Kvitova and pulled something in her back and just quit the practice and didn't didn't touch a tennis ball again until her match um, against Dominika Sibilkova. And it showed because she lost the first set 6-0. 
um, she's able to scrap back because you know she is a fighter and you know I know like pe- people like to get on her but I have the utmost respect for Simona Halep's uh, mental fortitude I know that she has got down on some matches and you know but I'm not gonna hold that against her I think she's improved it immensely and uh, you know I thought she was out there competing it just didn't seem like she was 100% so I have no faith in her going forward if she you know she turns it around and she gets better you know number one great that's good she's a quick healer and you know I'll be happy to eat my words but the number one and number two seeds were both uh, players that I thought were injured and not looking for a lot uh, moving forward. I heard you mention Sinia Koba, and I didn't want to mention that her, too, because um, I think that she's really made a turnaround in these last couple months. I used to fade her with the idea that she was a very talented player, but, that, you know, 4-4, four, 5-5, four, five, five, you know, 30-40, the big points that she just didn't have it, and she's really been able to turn it around. That win against Garcia to win uh, – two tie breaks and then um she follows it up with two tie breaks over muguruza i mean to me that shows like the mental toughness and that's the development and i think that her experience winning matches and doubles is helping her you know just uh learning how to to navigate those tight points and those tight situations and uh really be excited to find out if this is just a flash in the pan uh kind of like danielle collins had there in the uh in the sunshine swing earlier in the year, or if this is really a turnaround for Sinia Kova. So I think that's something that we need to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah, I think, you know, for our listeners who I'm sure are taking very close notes, be sure to write down Simona Halep and be sure to look very hard at fate and her as, as tournaments go forward. I, I think you're dead on. Um, you know, that story about her quitting practice and, you know, not doing anything again until playing a match is really concerning. And then to watch her come out um, and lose the set 6-0, um, she never does that. That doesn't happen. She is just an absolute, like he said, a fighter. When she's healthy, she she is just playing every point like it's a championship point. And, you know, a player with that kind of attitude does not lose a set 6-0. So that is extremely concerning. Um, and then to lose the second set 7-5, uh, I'm trying to remember. I was watching a little bit of that. But just seemed kind of disinterested at the end of that second set. It occurred. It seemed like she had just kind of figured out that this is going to be a fight and she wasn't really into it. And I don't want to say she kind of let up there at the end but it didn't seem surprising that Sybil Koa was able to get the break there at the end of the set the set so um totally echo what you're saying there around Simona Halep the other thing I did want to talk about a little bit was watching some of these tournaments there seems to be a real home court advantage for some of these Chinese players um when you watch some of these tournaments, there's not a lot of people there. The stands seem to be fairly empty. You know, frankly, I've been thinking myself about trying to see if I can get some tickets to go out there. I don't know how much the plane flight would cost, but <laughs> there's great seats to be had at, at every single round. Um, unless, of course, a, a, a great Chinese player is playing. Shui Zhang had, w- had people at every single one of her matches cheering her on. Um, Kyung Wang, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, who had a, a, a pretty good tournament. I think part of the reason she, you know, stuck to and kept winning matches is because people were there to see her. They were just enthralled. Um, I watched a lot of the match with her and Daria Gavrilova, and Daria Gavrilova gave her everything that she could handle. And she, she, you know, she lo- wins the first set seven five. I think she was down either four one or maybe three zero in that, and just really gritted out an excellent win and came out and won the next set six two. So something to keep in mind is as we watch these tournaments, you know, it seems the Chinese crowd really turned out well for some of the Chinese players. In fact, it seems that's the only thing they turn out for. And the same, uh, and the same night, it was Wayne Gavrilova, and I, I, me- I mentioned, you know, uh, when we were talking, they're like full-on chanting. I mean, it was almost, you know, the Davis Cup home court atmosphere. 
So that has to be a big advantage. And they all cleared out. And I cannot remember off the top of my head what the match was afterwards. But, I mean, they all cleared out. The next match, there was, like, you know, 98 people in the stands after the whole place had, had uh, been full. So it's just very interesting how nationalistic, nationalistic they are over there as far as their um, consumption of tennis. Because I'm thinking, boy, who's going to these tournaments? But then you turn on, you see a Chinese player, and the, uh, the, the crowd, the stands are... Uh, are filled up so it just seems they have no interest in the european players yeah it's uh it's really interesting to see how the how the crowd reacts to all that stuff so before we wrap up here in wuhan anything else i think that's about Excellent. it for so let's dive into the big tournament this week we have everybody in one place the men and the women in beijing of course we are are going to focus on the women if you're interested in listening to a wonderful podcast that previews the men's tournament i would love to suggest the ball boys podcast boys spelled with a z instead of an s uh, you can find that on itunes soundcloud just about everywhere our great fan um, andy from twitter you might guys might know him from the deep dive podcast is the host there with big 10 Watto, our great friend Kelly, and the second hardest working man in all of Canada, um, break down each men's <laughs> tournament every week. So if you're looking for a breakdown of the men's side, I would greatly suggest you check out there. If you have trouble finding them, of course, I don't think you will. Um, check out our podcast on Twitter, at NetworthWTA. Um, you'll see there's very few people we follow, but one, of course, is the Ball Boys podcast because we just love those guys and everything we're doing. So give them a listen. But Diving into Beijing, I think what we'll do here, spread. Let's take a look at each quarter. You know, maybe try to hit some outrights here as we go down each quarter. Talk about those, and then once we go through each of those, I think we'll dive into um, some of the round one matchups as we have some lines open here ourselves. Sound good? All right, so we take a look at the top quarter here. Uh, Like we mentioned, we have Simona Halep, our one seed. Um, She's playing a qualifier in round one. Unfortunately, I don't know who that is at this point. Um, But like we said, whoever that is, look long and hard at that decision. Um, You know, taking a look, this top quarter, there's a lot of talent in here. Um, Maria Sakari's playing Donna Vekic in the first round. I think that'll be a great match. I think we'll talk a little bit more about that once we get to some first-line rounds. Anastasia Sevastova, Madison Keys looks like she's getting a buy here. Um, we have Sloane Stevens, a very talented player, um, tough to bet on in Asia. And again, we'll touch a little more on that. I think when we get to the first round matchups, um, Sai Sai Zhang, Dominika Sivilkova, Petra Kvitova, uh, who we gave out last week. Um, apologies to the listeners for that not working out as, as well as we had hoped. Um, but I don't see a lot of outright value here. I, I, I don't. There's not any names that really stick out. This looks like a tough bracket with some tough paths. Anything you see here, spread any names that pop out. Uh, you, you, you hit it on the head. We had talked earlier about uh, Pavlyuchenkova, you know, being value at you know, uh, what 61, 61 to one. But just the bracket is just so tough. Um, you'd be hedging so early. I just don't really see any value in it at all. Um, I think that we will be able to find just some good individual matches because when you have a stacked bracket like this, you're not going to be having to lay a lot of uh, juice if you take the favorite. And, you know, you should have a reasonable chance of getting a a plus money underdog that's got a good chance to win. So um, looking forward to watching this bracket play out, but uh, not a lot from out. Yeah, I I totally agree. So 
I think we can go ahead and jump down towards the second quarter. Um, you know, take a look at some of the names here. We see Angelique Kerber. Um, I think she should have a much more motivated tournament. It, it seems that last week, um, you know, one of the most interesting things for me about tennis handicapping, um, one of the things that I do that I think I always regret actually not doing is I don't go through and check these players' Instagrams or look at their Twitters or any of their social media to see what they're doing. It seems like Angelique Kerber had a wedding to go to last week at some point spread and, and may or may not have given all her, her very best effort in an attempt to maybe get done her, uh, her, her playing before we got there. Um, did you hear anything about that? No, you know what? I need to start doing that, too. I don't do that either. So um, I was unaware of that, too, but that would make sense how she looked so good and then uh, didn't look too good the very So what are you thinking night. here for the second quarter overall? You know, similar to the top quarter, I, I see a lot of talent. I see some tough paths. Um, you know, at this point, unfortunately, the only site that has outrights is at Nitrogen, um, a great book for anybody who likes to bet in Bitcoin. You know, I suggest you take a look at that. But taking a look at some of their numbers here, you know, you have Naomi Osaka in this quarter, but she's priced at 10 to 1. Can't like that. I know that we talked a little bit about um, Julia Gorgeous. Um, who has an interesting price there at 50 to one. I could actually maybe see just a hint of value there, but unfortunately she has Joanna Conta in her first round match, um, which is probably one of her tougher matches. And, you know, I normally don't like advocating for taking two people or playing each other right away, but both of them at 50 to one, if, if you wanted to put a little lunch money on each, I could possibly get behind, um, you know, whoever comes out of there. Or just choose who you think is going to win the first right. round and then yeah. rock that. So, so, right, you have that. And you're looking at somebody at 50 to 1 who's probably looking at Lesia Sorenko and then maybe a tired Naomi Osaka there in the third round. So it puts you in a decent shape. But like I said, just kind of lunch money, you know, maybe a quarter of a unit um, to be specifically exact. What are you thinking here, Spread? Do you see anything that you like in the second quarter? Yeah, I mean, if I was actually going to place, and I don't think I'm going to place out of this quarter, but if I was, I actually do like the chalkier um, aspects here. I think that uh, even though, you know, we don't usually like to go for the the more favorite style outrights, 10 to 1 for Osaka, that seems like it's priced right. And, and um, honestly, I wouldn't be against it. The reason I will not be playing it is I'm not sure how long she can keep up this level of tennis for. You know, I mean, she's just playing great. Um, and, you know things go up and down and you know right now you you kind of be buying high on her so um i personally am not going to do it but if you told me you know you took a knowing me a soccer future i'm not against it uh, and the other one is kerber at uh plus 1800 um you know as disappointed as we were in that one performance last week she uh she obviously is still a good hardcore player and you know if uh, Naomi isn't there, you know, then she'd most likely match up with your, you know, your favorite between Gorgas and Conta there in the semis. And, or not wouldn't be the semis. That would be the quarters, probably be the quarters. But yeah, but that's really not that bad a path. So it, I probably won't do it. But if I were to place one out of this quarter, it'd be. Yeah, I was hoping for something like 20 ish to one on that. So 18 to one's pretty close. I don't think, again, I could make too many complaints. I'm um, taking that, especially given that her motivation is hopefully a little better this week, that, you know, we have a little bigger tournament. Um, so diving into the third quarter, you know, I haven't had much to say about the first two quarters because I may or may not have been lying in wait for another opportunity to talk about my very favorite arena, the Amazonian Warrior Sabalenka. <laughs> now, I'm going to try to dial it in a little bit because I got to gush pretty hard at the beginning of the pod here, but at 25 to 1, um, 
I, I think I'm going to have to bet that. Um, she has a bye in the first round and then plays the winner of Muguruza Makarova. Um, you know, either she plays a very talented Muguruza who has had a really rough end of the year or a player in Ekaterina Makarova who she should beat without too much trouble at all. Then she's looking at probably Caroline Garcia who, I'm trying to remember, did she beat her last week? If not in the last month, I think they've, they played. Um, but no problems for me there. Um, and then in the top half of the quarter, she's probably looking at what should be an exhausted Kyung Wang. Um, again, that, that home court advantage that we talked about should probably, you know, really help her play well. But, you know, I imagine she's got a buy in the first round there to help her a little bit. But she's looking at probably Helena Ostapenko, who, although may not be healthy, is, can, can be a tough match. And then probably Karolina Pliskova, who's playing some nice tennis. So getting Arena Sabalanka at 25-1 to 1 with a pretty easy path to the quarterfinals is... Sounds fantastic to me. Um, so obviously, spread you're in as well, right? I had to, you know, for the good radio, we're supposed to, you know, be arguing with each other and stuff like that. But uh, I'd have to agree. I'd be interested to see her match up with Garcia if they make it that far. But then if she, you know she wins that, most likely she'll be going against uh, Wang or Pliskova. And uh, I like both those matchups for um, just a quick search. Uh, uh, Sabalenka's beaten Pliskova twice already this year, once on the hard courts. It was a three-setter in Cincinnati. And then um, she also beat her in a three-setter in Eastbourne on grass. So, um, you know, in the battle of the big server, she seems to have a little bit of an edge right now uh, at 25-1. to 1. Uh, My main argument against that and probably the reason that I'll be rooting for you but not placing a wager of my own will be just the fatigue factor. I mean, she's been going deep into these tournaments uh, every week. And then if we look at the last time she went deep, which I think was it was the New Haven final, right? And then uh, Suarez Navarro, she beat Suarez Navarro there. And then we were all excited for her in Quebec, right? And then she had the uh, the tough loss to Lepchenko, which, um, you know, I've been going back and forth because Lepchenko's done pretty good. Um, since then, so I don't know how much it is Lepchenko's form and how much is fatigue, but I definitely chalk that one up to fatigue. So the reason that I do not, that I will not be going that is I just, it's just too much good tennis for her to play um, this long. But if you actually look, you know, um, she does have a very nice path with just uh, women she traditionally has. So, Arena, and I know you're listening, I just want you to write down somewhere everything Spread just said because he doesn't believe in you. He doesn't think you can do it. He thinks you're too tired. You're not in good enough shape. But but I know you can do it, and I know you're going to get out there and just be as fantastic as you always are. So now that we've passed the inevitable winner, um, any thoughts on the third quarter here? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you got to mention your favorite, I'll mention mine. Uh, Jelena Ostapenko uh, did hint on Instagram last night. So, yeah, I don't follow all of them, but I follow, like, 10 Penko fan accounts, so I know anything that she does. Um, someone asked her about a picture where she's kind of holding her arm um, in a manner that suggested it was hurt, and she confirmed that. So um, that could be a reason for maybe her uh, her seemingly bad attitude or poor recent performances. So we're thinking, okay, well, this is going to be an instant bet on Rybarakova then, right? Uh, well, turns out, you know, a very informed colleague of mine has let me know that she also carried an injury and retired from her very last match, too. So very interesting to see who goes out of there. Um, I'd hate to say it, uh, you know, if it wasn't for the injury, we'd be all over it on Rybarakova. But uh, at, at dog money, I don't even know if uh, if Ostapenko will make it out of the first round. Um, it will be fun to watch. It would be nice to see her come back to form. But if she's carrying an injury, she might not be uh, factoring any of these tournaments um, until next year. 
So that would be too bad, but that's something I'll be keeping my eyes on and probably my uh, wallet off of. Um, another interesting match in this quarter for the first round is Sasnovich, Boozer, and Eskew talking about injuries. Let's see how well um, both of them recover. We know that Boozer and Eskew had that horrible injury that uh, took her out of the U.S. Open when she was playing so well all summer. And uh, I, in fact, had made a, a nice little uh, penny just supporting her on that nice little run she had against Sasnovich, who also has had um, some injury problems recently. So that'll be a fun one, like I said, to keep our eyes on and our wallets off just to see how both women are playing go to, going forward. Yeah, I, t I love all that. So, you know, the third quarter, um, not too much there for me. So I think we can go ahead and dive into the fourth quarter. Um, a lot, Again, a lot of good names here. We see Alina Svitolina. Um, Kiki Burton, who's just had a fantastic last few months, kicking the kicking me in the absolute teeth, winning these matches on hard court. Uh, Daria Kasakina, who seems to be playing at a pretty good level these last week. Petra Martich and Caroline Wozniacki, who you mentioned already earlier, does not seem to be at her very, very best. What are you seeing here, Spread? What do you like? All right, and this is the one that I will be giving out on the pod, and this will be my official bet. And that will be Daria Kasakina at 51 to 1. <laughs> Plus 5,000 here. Let's go, Daria. Uh, what I like here on her draw, number one, she does have a softer part of the draw. She will have to go against Contavite um, if she defeats Laura Siegmund, who I like the matchup for Kasakina. I think Siegmund does a lot of things that. Uh, that Kasakina does well, and I think Kasakina just does them a little better. One thing I worry about Kasakina is when watching her recently, um, I don't know if she's moving as fast as, as as she seemed like she was in the summer, and I don't know if that's a fatigue or if she's carrying a slight injury. And that's my one concern with Kasakina, but I still think she has enough um, to defeat Siegmund there in the first round. Then she'd go against Contavite, who has a bye, and actually we cannot leave, uh, reminder, we cannot leave Beijing without uh, mentioning the performance buys, and we'll have to go over those real quick. But Contavite got a performance buy, and um, she'll be going up against Kasakina, and that's another one with the fatigue and just the way it is. Uh, I like that matchup for Kasakina. So now um, we're looking at, at 50 to 1. I'm already hedgeable here in, in the third round, um, you know, against the possible uh, Martic, Strykova, Benchik, or Wozniacki. So um, really like the value there. And with me being able to hedge so early, um, uh, that's going to be my play for this uh, I love it. For this tournament. Uh, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I, th I think I'll be tailing you there and, and sprinkling a little money. Um, you know, like you said, Wozniacki doesn't look so great. We'll talk a little bit about that first-round match. I may or may not have already bet on Belinda Bencic, but we'll get there. Like you mentioned, one of the most interesting things that I actually learned about this week was talking with you about these performance buys. Do you want to explain to the listeners what you're talking about? All right, so um, this is a WTA rule that does not come in to affect that often, but it's called a performance buy. And what it does is it takes um, the uh, – top four in this case of any of the previous tournament which would be wuhan now you got to remember it has to be another premier tournament so the results in tashkent have no bearing so it's too bad for the young ladies in tashkent but um you know as a uh, kind of motivator and a thank you to the women who performed well that instead of the buys going to the top four seeds as they uh, normally would they go to the semifinalists of the previous round so uh, when you're looking at the bracket, you'll see the buys kind of sprinkled around. So the uh, the recipients of this time will be Contavite, Sabalenka, um, and uh, mm -hmm. Barty, and who was our last performance right. by? Oh, Wang. 
And Wang's the one who's going to need it the most because she's the one who retired in her quarterfinal match. And it was funny. We had mentioned fatigue with Wang, um, you know, and thinking it was time to fade her, and she just kept overcoming it. So I just kept betting on her because I said, well, it's better to bet with the streak than against the streak, right, because the streak can only end once. But, you know, even fatigue, she was still managing to pull out some victories. So um, that'll be an interesting to watch, but I think this should be the greatest beneficiary of this performance by here. But just wanted to bring that up. Number one, um, I support that format. I think it's fantastic because it sucks that, you know, we get to, we're so used to it, just fading the finalists of the, of the, of the last week, you know? And so it gives these uh, women, number one, a little more incentive um, to go ahead and play well and not, you know, worry about, um, you know, getting rid of a tournament because the premier 1000, you know, this is one of the top four non-Grand Slam tournaments of the year, you know, it gives them incentive to try hard the week before in Wuhan. So I personally I think it makes it. a lot of sense. I think you did a great job breaking it down. All I would say is from a gambling perspective, the takeaways, like you mentioned, there's not as much desire to fade the women that played long tournaments the week before. They get a day off. They get a couple days off, actually, to, to settle in to where they are, get used to the time zone, get used to the conditions, and, you know, let the body recharge after a really great week the week prior. And secondly, it's a great opportunity to, to look at you know, going against some of those higher seeds. We're used to one seeds like Caroline Wozniacki, Simona Halep getting a bye. So, you know, from an outright perspective, it's a great opportunity to avoid them because they have to play an extra match. And a lot of times I don't think that that makes that, that makes it into a lot of people's handicapping. You know, a lot of times in that first round, they're playing a qualifier, but it's a match. They have to play it and it's not a hundred percent chance they're going to win. So be careful when you're taking a look at those buys. And we've discussed this before. These qualifiers are almost the same level as the seed now. Uh, you know, we've discussed this before. Forty, you know, between forty and one hundred, uh, the level is barely changing between forty-one and ninety-nine. That's how deep the WWTA is right now. In fact, you know, you'll see players rank ninety-nine going against players rank forty-two, and the odds are even. Um, so facing a qualifier is no longer, um, you know, the the walking by like it was in the days of Chris Everett or Martina Navratilova. Um, these qualifying matches are tough. You're going against a player who, number one, is accustomed to the surface because she's played two matches at least there already, you know, and obviously is in pretty good form if they're able to, you know, beat some of these players. They're coming off two wins, feeling good going to the tournament. So I really think avoiding those qualifiers is, uh, is a very good incentive, and I think it's a very good reward for the players who've had success. Great. So. Week. Unless you have anything else, just to recap a little bit what we're talking about, Beijing, from an outright perspective, I'm giving out Arena Sabalanka at 25 to 1, and you're looking at Daria Kasatkina at 50 to 1. Uh, just to be clear, that the odds on nitrogen can be a little confusing for some folks. They have the European odds and the American odds. So the European odds have 51, which actually is 50 to 1. Um, for anybody that bets at a book with European odds, the way they do it essentially, if you bet a dollar, here's what you win. So if you bet a dollar, you get $51 back, the extra one being the one you bet. So we've got Daria Kasatkina at 50 to 1 and Arita Sabalanka at 25 to 1. We also didn't mind some Pavla Yuchankova at 66 to 1. And if you have a really strong feeling about the first round match against Julia Gorgeous and Joanna Conta, either one of them at 50 to 1 with some value. So any other thoughts to add before we dive into some first round matches here? No, let's get All to right, these individual so I think first we wanted to start with Maria Sakari is playing Donna Vekic. Now, when I took a look at this match, um, I, I think it's going to be fantastic. We have two pretty good players here. You know, from a numbers perspective, um, just pulling them up again right here. Um, 
you know, neither player actually really with fantastic hardcourt stats per my numbers. Sakari right around plus or minus zero games in hardcourt matches. Vekic actually a little below zero, but should be a tight match. What are you seeing, Spread? I think this is really interesting. Um, when I first jumped on, I kind of like Sakari, and then I started thinking about it, and boy, Vetch's recent form really uh, le you know, leads a lot to a leaner way. Um, just real quick, let's look at some things. Um, the head-to-head -head is 2-2, two -to -two, um, with Sakari winning their most recent um, hardcore match, and that was on Indian Wells, but... If you remember right, Donovich was not playing well at all um, that time of year. So I don't know how much I'm really going to take into that. And then uh, on grass, the year before, she had won. Um, Vecic won, which doesn't surprise you because Vecic is primarily known as, you know, grass is the best surface. And then in Sydney, Sakari won on hard courts. And then the only time that uh, Vecic has beat Sakari would be way back in 100K ITF, and that was in 2016. Um, so if you want to, uh, if you want to take Sakari here at the plus money, I think that the reason that uh, you'd be doing it would be the fact that uh, her hard court record uh, against her. And if you want to take Vecic, I would think that the reason you'd want to take Vecic would be obviously the recent form. I mean, she looked fantastic in Tokyo. Um, really, you know, tough wins, great wins, really looking strong, stepping up. And then... Um, you know, here in Wuhan, she lost to Annette Kontavite, who is in the final now, so obviously was in a good form. Um, obviously a little tired because she looked tired, you know, towards the end of her match in, uh, in Tokyo against Pliskova. So now she's had some time to rest and coming back. Um, tough one. I don't know if I will be betting it. Um, I can't, you know, I always lean towards plus money. But, boy, you can make such a good argument for Vecic. What do you think about I think the side is, is priced absolutely perfectly. Um, you know, Maria Sakari's playing some nice tennis the last few months. Donna Vekic, I think, overall, probably just as good, if not a slightly better player. Um, I would actually look here towards the total. Um, I'm seeing a total of 21 games. And both of these women tend to play faster matches on hard courts. Donna Vekic averages about 20 games on hards. Maria Sakari about 20 and a half. Um, you know, as a general point of reference, your average WTA match lands right around 19 or so games, actually just a touch under. So at 21 games, I, I think I lean towards the under here. I, I would look at that if I was going to be betting this match. Interesting. Yeah, I do like that idea there. So this um, okay, well, if we do come to something, we'll go ahead and put that on, on, uh, on Twitter. Um, right now, that's either, to me, it's going to be uh, a dog yeah, or pass Yeah, so diving situation. into another match, one that I had circled and actually have already taken a position here. Uh, Shuai Zhang is playing Elise Mertens. And Shuai and Elise Mertens, a big favorite here. I'm seeing minus 215 on Elise Mertens and plus 175 on, on Shuai Zhang um, with a four-game spread. Now, when I take a look at... You know, some of my rank numbers here, um, both of them really good players on hard courts. Elise Mertens average in plus one and a half games and her average hard court match Zhang, you know, behind her, but pretty close at plus 1.2. Um, 
as I talked about, you know, I, I try to not stick to too many intangibles here, but I think that this home court advantage for the Chinese players is very real. Um, so to see, to get a chance to grab Shuai Zhang at, at plus 175 and plus four, four games at Elise Mertens, you know, in China, having played some nice tennis last week, but should be pretty fresh coming into this match and pretty close by my numbers. I've already taken um, the money line at plus 175 and the spread at plus four. So what do you think in spread? I'm thinking if you're doing that, I, I love the home court angle there because I think that's the, uh, really the only thing you have to justify that. If we just look at recent results, uh, Mertens is head-to-head 2-0. Most recently, they did play at uh, the Canadian Masters. And um, in that match, it was a three-setter, but the mat, the sets that, uh, that Mertens won were 6-2 and 6-0 while uh, Zhang was able to win a tiebreak. Um, so I'll be interested to see how this one this one turns out. Um, Mertens looks so good uh, this summer. She just played fantastically, um, you know, this whole summer run. So I was really surprised to see her going out against uh, someone who we thought was carrying an injury in Sastinovich in the first round in Wuhan, and that had been her only tennis um, since a fairly impressive uh, U.S. Open where she lost in the round of 16 to Sloane Stephens. Um, so I will not be joining you on this one, um, but I will not, you know, whereas Mertens might jump out as a parlay piece, I will not be going against you because I think that uh, this home court advantage is, is it's real, and um, I'm not looking to get out of the way in front okay. of that right well, I'll now. definitely be looking to be on that side. I'll post that a little bit later. The next match I think we want to talk about, Julia Gorgeous and Joanna Conta. We talked about that a little bit in our preview. It should be an absolutely fantastic match. Are you looking forward to that spread? Yep, and that's the one that I already have a position on, and I went ahead and I took uh, Miss Gorgas there, and I did that just because uh, I just like her game, um, the way she's playing right now a little better, and I think that the uh, the difference is going to be uh, Gorgas' serve, is, to me, is just a lot better. I think the one advantage that Conta does have is I do like her backhand a little more than Gorgas's, but I do like Gorgas' serve and forehand a little more, and if Gorgas is able to, uh, to make this a... Um, uh, uh, ATP style match, you know, where serving forehands really matter. Um, you know, I think that she can win this pretty easily. I think the contest path to victory would be to make this a WTA match. Let's get lots of breaks. Let's get lots of, you know, extended 10 shot plus rallies, you know, and really trying to grind Gorgas down because uh, I do think that Gorgas might struggle here uh, in the extended rallies, but I do have enough faith in her that I've already. Uh, put down some money on her i'll probably be uh, tipping that on twitter i don't think i put that out yet but i did place it um they've only played once and that was a couple years ago on clay i don't know how much i put into that gorgeous one six two six three at the french open in 2016 but uh honestly that result really had nothing to do with my handicap and um you know as far as recent results neither woman have, have really played a lot lately and um you know i've really had that impressive result so you look at it, two women you know and I think the form is going to be very tough to, uh, very tough, you know, to predict. So I'm not, you know, this isn't the lock of the year, you know, 10-unit <laughs> bomb, anything like that. It's just, you know, I, because if Conta wins, you know, I'm not going to be surprised at all, you know. And so uh, I do like Gorgas here, but, uh, you know, Conta's definitely a strong player, and I have definitely underestimated her 
uh, too many times before in the past. But uh, I like Gorgas yeah, here. Yeah, I look style. at this. I, th- I think the side is is lined pretty correctly. I'd probably lean Gorgas just based on kind of overall talent and, and kind of the year she's had. But um, you know, like I mentioned, I look at totals a lot here, and 22 is a number I, I love going under 22. It's really hard for me not to bet under 22, but I won't get anywhere near this total. Um, you know, both of these women play quick matches. If we see a two-setter here, it's almost a lock to go under the 22. But I think we see three sets. I think the two of these women are going to really go back and forth and play a fantastic match. Gorgeous with all the skill in the world. Conta with enough talent to kind of maybe outthink her here. I think we're going to see two good first sets and then a third set that is hopefully just super entertaining and revealing. Um, I think this is just going to be an absolutely fantastic match. I'm looking forward to it. Moving forward, looking at the next match that I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, Caroline Wozniak, and we talked about maybe fading some injuries here, is playing Belinda Bencic. Um, Caroline Wozniak, minus 270. Belinda Bencic, a plus 220 underdog. Um, really shocked to see that number be that big. She's getting four and a half games on the spread. I've actually taken both while we're sitting here talking about it. I've got the money line at plus 220, the game spread at plus four and a half. Um, really, this is just kind of a, a Wozniacki fade, really. I don't think that she's playing her best tennis. Um, I think Belinda Benches has played okay. She's had a couple tournaments. She's used to the conditions. And I look to the head to the head here. Um, not much recently. A lot of matches, you know, but all of them 2014 to 2016. Now, normally, I don't like to take into account too many matches that far back, but taking a look, Belinda Bencic has actually beaten Caroline Wozniacki four out of the six times that they played. Um, and the last time that Wozniacki played, it was uh, Tokyo Hardcourt. It was a, a three set match. Looks like it must have been a lot of fun 6 2, 7 5, 6 1. Um, but the year before, you know, Benjamin's beaten her again in Tokyo, 6-2-6-4. So uh, what I see here is, is an underdog that shouldn't really be afraid of the favorite, beaten her a couple times, um, and, you know, a favorite that's not really totally healthy. So uh, what do you see in here, Spread? Do you like the dog? Uh, in, uh, you know, I'm a little worried about bad radio here, but I'm going to have to go with the dog here, too. Um, you know, I'd love to be disagreeing and yelling, you know, Stephen A. Smith and Skip style, but uh, I'm going to have to go with you here. And I'm going to go ahead and piggyback off what you were saying with the older results. And I think that uh, what that really speaks to is the fact that her style is set up, um, you know, to trouble Wozniacki Benchich. You know, top talent, really expected a lot, has kind of... Um, you know, not necessarily lived up to expectations so far, but yet she's still very young and her expectations were very, very high. Um, and the reason was is because she's just a talented player. I mean, she can flat out hit. Um, and so I think one of the reasons that she was able to be successful against Wozniacki is she does have the power to go ahead and hit winners. And if Wozniacki, um, especially the 2015, 2016 version of Wozniacki, that just got the ball back, you know, that kind of, you know, set up for Benchich. So if she was playing her best tennis, she was able to get a win. Um, the thing that would worry me about the older results is I think that Wozniacki has really developed, you know, an offensive side here. Um, over the last year and I really think that was the key to her, her Australian Open win and it was funny because you know push 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 and then you turned on the Australian Open and you watched her win it. and you know she was hitting winners she was actually starting to take advantage of, of short balls and not just using them to improve her defensive position so um, you know that will be the uh, you know if Wozniacki was healthy, that would be the reason that I, necess- I, you know, I could argue against you and you know Stephen A. Smith and yell and lose my mind. But um, without Wozniacki being healthy and the fact that Benches has the game that that does trouble Wozniacki and Wozniacki kind of um, fit, you know, 
plays right into her hands by giving her a lot of shots that she can look good on. I actually like benches on the money line here too. And um, I don't see uh, why, you know, you don't pull maybe uh, half of the, uh, you know, another half unit on the, the spread just to cover your All right. Principal. Well, it looks like we have a little agreement there. Um, the next match we wanted to look at here, Sloan Stevens and um, Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova. Um, Something we talked a little bit last week, spread around the idea of fading Sloane Stevens in Asia because she usually has a little bit of dip here, but I don't think we can do that this time. You want to talk a little bit about that? Right, and so uh, my point is I don't know if the value on fading Sloan is there anymore because I think the word's out, everybody knows, and everybody's on it. I mean, the fact that you're you know you're getting uh, such a uh, – you're getting a much more talented player, you know, and it's only, you know, minus 135, minus 140. I think everybody's on to it. Um, you know, so the, uh, the whole idea on the fade of the Sloan was that you were getting, you know, uh, over plus 200 odds that that allowed you to, to be able to run it twice and still be profitable. You know, if you happen to miss the first round on Fainer, that no longer is the case. The books are on to us. Fade Sloan is, you know, up there with, uh, you know, Fade Mlad, Osaka Unders are on to us. Uh, I don't know if the value is there. If you do want to make a case for Pavlyuchenkova, um, obviously it's going to be Sloan's poor performance in Asia. Although, to be fair, Kontovite played well. Uh, I don't think she just, just – against Vecic, I, I kind of felt she just gave the match to Vecic in Tokyo. But I really thought Kontovite won that match. Obviously, um, you know, Sloan, Sloan made errors because if she doesn't make errors, she wins because <laughs> she's that good. But um, – you know, I really felt Contavite was forcing her a lot, putting a lot of pressure on her, uh, real impressive performance. So I don't really mark down that L as much as I did some of the other ones. Um, but when you look at Pavlyuchenkova's uh, recent results, you know, great win over Kvitova, who obviously we had the outright on and I thought was playing well. Uh, tough loss against uh, Barty. I actually had backed Pavlyuchenkova in that one. You know, plus I get some good plus money there. Wasn't able to, to turn out. But 6-4 uh, in the third, you know. Uh, close match definitely could have gone either way. Great win over Kiki Burton's, the newfound hardcourt specialist that uh, you know we never expected, and a win over Anastasia Stevastova. So you look at that Wuhan, just that Wuhan resume is fantastic. She's been playing some high-level tennis. You know the round before, nice uh, easy win over Sasnovich, and then uh, a tough loss to Caroline Garcia. Um, you know, so she has done well to the Asian swing. You know, uh, Russian. This is more of her time zone. This is more of her. Uh, you know. Her, she's much more comfortable over here. Um, you know, even with the value being gone, it almost seems like it's Pavlyuchenkova or no I play. I totally agree. It's so hard to bet Pavlyuchenkova. You know, a lot of times I like before I open my book here and try to take a look at the lines. I try to think in my head. You know, what am I looking for? What am I hoping for? And I would love, 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 love Pavlyuchenkova if I get her at plus one fifty. But we don't get the opportunity. That was the we don't I was get the opportunity too. to do that. You know, the lesson. Plus 150 was Absolutely. an auto bet, right? I mean, that's what We'd I thought I was logging and on and getting, right? I'm like waking up, you know, kind of <laughs> half awake still, crack the rock star. Oh, let me go bet this plus 150, and it's like plus 110. What do you mean plus 110? Oh, yeah, so yep, they're on The lesson us. we learn. So I almost hope Sloan wins a couple so we can get back, you know. So they'll have, they'll have to adjust back. Yeah, the lesson but, um, we learn time and time again. Really interesting the session. books are smart. They know what's going on. So one more match here to talk about, yeah. you know, as we wrap things up here a little bit. Um, you wanted to talk about Stritzova, which uh, unfortunately I've been playing as Strikova. Um, the pronunciations here are very difficult. <laughs> but last week, listened to a couple announcers. They seem pretty set on Stritzova. So Barbara Stritzova playing Petra Martic. What were you looking there, Spread? What were you thinking? 
Uh, I like uh, Stritzova a lot here, just off being the more talented player. And I think the reason the price is so close is that uh, Martic's recent form, not to mention Martic's head-to-head here. So, we you know, we just jump into the... Uh, the recent form, well, Martich beat Stritzga, um, 7-5-6-4 at Indian Wells. That was their most recent match. Um, let's go ahead and throw out the uh, 2011 results. But um, if you remember, I remember Stritzva was just coming back then, and that was not, um, you know, the player that she is now. I think that her form is much better now. I really like her as an all-court game, and I like the fact that um, if you do allow her to dictate the point, she's going to go ahead and put pressure on you and put it away. She's not just going to... Um, assume an easier defensive position. Um, the reason that I think the Martich is a good play is just uh, the recent form. And while she has been playing, you know, the toughest tournaments, she has been winning. And that, you know, you got to say a lot to that. Now, one thing to mention is that she has not played uh, a professional match since Quebec City. So this will be her first match in Asia. While Stritzova was over for Tokyo and Wuhan. So she should be much uh, more acclimated to the time zone, conditions, things of that nature. Um, so that's, I think, another uh, advantage that Stritzova has. Um, like I said, I don't think Marchich is a bad bet just based off recent form, but I just think Stritzova is a high, higher talented level, um, likely more acclimated to the conditions, and so I'm going to take uh, Stritzova, really a short short favorite, and I think that uh, she should be minus 150, and I'm only uh, laying minus 105. I'm I, I like that angle as well. For me, I think this will be one. Hopefully I'll get a chance to watch a little bit of this and, and, and see kind of what's going on because I think this will be a good one to bet live. I think that we'll get a lot of interesting angles. I think whoever actually probably gets broken here first is going to have a lot of value from a live perspective. Um, you know, Stritzova, a very good player, but doesn't always come out with her best. Um, to be honest, I haven't done a ton of research on this, but I feel like when I watch her matches, when I look at some of the replays and scores the next day, she seems to like to get down a little bit early. So um, if you're not entirely in love with the minus 105 and looking for some plus m money, I think you'll have a chance at some point during the f first set to grab her live. But love that angle. So before we wrap up here, any other uh, any more thoughts here on Beijing? Uh, I do have one other thing I want to get to, but not quite Beijing related. So anything else before I jump into that? Yeah, I have one other thing too, but uh, nothing else Beijing. So why don't you hit your first one? I got one more, and then we'll. Uh, sign well, just off. wanted to uh, you know give a shout out to our very good friend, uh, the hardest working man in Canada, Jorge, who you can find on Twitter at Jorge T W T S Tennis. He wanted to be Jorge tweets tennis, but that's too long. Um, I'm sure Jorge actually loved that little complication, but give him a follow. Um, our very good friend who was on the first version of the Networth podcast will be back with us as soon as he's finished um, climbing up the political ladder of Canada. So just give him a quick shout out. Give him a follow. Not too much content because he's very, very busy knocking on doors and kissing babies and shaking the hands and doing all the good things he needs to do, but watching a ton of tennis still and, and getting out some wonderful tweets and content. But just wanted to give him a shout out. What did you have, Spread? All right. I'd just like to say that uh, we've had a bunch of positive feedback on the pod, and I appreciate it. And um, if you had anything that you wanted to hear us talk about, any type of, uh, you know, criticism, maybe questions you want to answer, things you wanted us to address on the pod, uh, we'd be open to it. You know, it's kind of, you know, something that we're developing here, and we're kind of doing it as we go. 
Um, and we're kind of having a lot of fun and we're kind of learning along the way. Um, you know, both of us kind of started out just handicapping the matches individually. So even this whole idea of looking at the outrights, you know, I had done it before. Um, but, but putting this much time in it every week, I had not done. And I'll admit, I think it's made me a better handicapper. So uh, you guys are just kind of in this journey with Noops and I as we kind of, um, you know, learn our way through uh, trying to grab values on these outrights and uh, trying to look at these tournaments maybe from a bigger perspective. But uh, we appreciate all the positive feedback we've got so far, and we'd love to hear even more and even some ideas you might have. Totally agree. Again, you can find us on Twitter, me at underscore noops, spread it, spread Astera. Of course, the podcast account at NetworthWTA. Uh, we love the feedback. You know, for those of you who have seen a couple of my articles on deepdivemedia.com, Co. Um, I always try to finish with with a paragraph, really summing up the idea about, you know, I, I want as many opinions as I can get. One of the best ways to learn is to hear from other people. Um, so please reach out to us with any of your thoughts, criticisms, good or bad. You know, the only thing we ask is that you be polite. So, you know, thanks everybody for listening, and please reach out for your thoughts. Um, have a great week. All right, Wuhan had us all in check. Now it's time to Beijing in some winners. So let's go. I'll see you next week, noobs. Have a great week, spread.